So, Dominique, uh, we have been told that there is a special game to play on a very patriotic episode of Fake Television. So, Alabaster, what what you got for us? That's right. In honor of the U.S. Men's National Team, we're going to play a new game called I Believe. Because I believe that we would win, and we did win. So, the first I believe. Somehow. I'll give you a take I may or may not believe, and I'll ask you if you believe. First one. I believe this will be Aaron Rodgers' final week as the Packers starter. Do you so, also believe? Do we go transparency mode, Dominique, and reveal that we've been on a group chat in which there have been conspiracies about the NFL's <laughs> foremost conspiracy theorists that indicate that, yes, in fact, this is how Aaron Rodgers, right? What's the, what's the theory that we're not going to name who gave it to us? <laughs> yeah. But I, I do want to describe it. I, I don't believe the theory, but the theory is... <laughs> I kind of do. Is Yeah, of course you would, because this is what you... Uh, I, too, would like this to be true, but it's not true. It's that Aaron Rodgers is only going to play in this very game because they're going against the Bears' defense, which is very terrible. And then after this game, Aaron Rodgers is going to immediately send himself to, to IR so that <laughs> it, your last memory of Aaron Rodgers can be him dominating the Bears' And is that the extent of the yeah, conspiracy right. theory? Yeah, right. But it also goes a step further. I think it's the idea that in the game he just played in that he oh, could yes, have right. like stayed in, but he wanted everyone to realize that Jordan Love is not going to make you feel better about not having yeah. Aaron Rodgers. And well, so it's if, just basically maximizing his own self-interest. Well, yeah. If he, yeah, and, and that it was a little bit suspicious because he wanted Jordan to fail. But if he thought that that's what was going to happen, it kind of backfired. Because Jordan Love going into the game with low expectations – and throwing a pass, a couple passes that looked like he knew what he was doing. Like, people walk away like, oh, we got to see what Jordan Love has. He showed us a little glimpse, so it backfired a little bit. I, even though Jordan Love wasn't great, he was, like, serviceable. Right. And now people are thinking, like, man, with a full week of practice, some game planning, Jordan Love can ball out. He'll actually get under center every now and then, and they can have the true – LaFleur, Shanahan, Disciple offense with, like, zones and play actions and boots. I don't know. I feel like of the people who want um, Aaron Rodgers to, like, take a little bit of a break, Matt LaFleur might be at the top of that list. Mm, yeah, it does. That? <laughs> does Matt LaFleur want this to be Aaron Rodgers' last week is another great question that I believe the answer might be yes about, Dominique. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not for the rest of forever, but I do think that Matt LaFleur would love a chance to like show his value because he does have to coach around Aaron Rodgers a little bit, which isn't a problem when Aaron Rodgers is back-to-back -back MVP. But coaching around Aaron Rodgers, it, when it starts to look like the way that some offensive coordinators had to coach around the preferences of Ben Roethlisberger, which is not quite that bad, but that's what comes to mind is like, oh, He's so established that we have to do what he wants. It doesn't yep. allow you to like bring your full game plan to fruition. Well, look, I mean, the Packers are four and eight. The season is effectively over. And so what is what's upon this team now is the who's to blame phase of all of it. And this is underneath all of these theories, right? All of the fun of this question is how does Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, how do they make themselves look the best in terms of evading responsibility for why this season was terrible? And it does feel like if you're Aaron Rodgers, like leaving on a high note, leaving on. So I'm, I'm saying, yes, I believe that Aaron Rodgers will scheme this to his own personal craven self-interest at the expense of every football virtue, Dominique. And you're saying that you're a reasonable person. No, I mean, I guess could it be his last game of the season? 
that seems possible. But if I heard Alabaster correctly, he said his last game is a Packer. Like, I think Ooh. he's back next year. That's right. Yeah. Oh. So I think he's back next year. I think Alabaster may not agree with me, but I think he's back next year, even if this is his last game. I don't think this is his last game of the season. And because I'm not going to buy into this crazy Aaron Rodgers uh, megalo- megalomaniac theory, <laughs> um, even though maybe he is. But yeah, I Alabaster. Gonna... It, 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 I just bought a house in Nashville, Alabaster. I think you and I are thinking similar things about where Aaron Rodgers might be playing football next year. That's right. I mean, who knows? There could be a, a half dozen teams that could use a laser rocket arm two-time MVP in the last three years. All right, guys, next topic. I was looking at some NBA stand-ins, doing some box score perusing, and I noticed mm. that the uh, the West is wide open and the Celtics, even without Ime Odoka, are 17-4 and four and better than everyone. So what I believe, I believe the Celtics and Warriors will be back in the finals this year. Do you believe? Oh. This is so I have the Warriors winning the West despite a lot of things that still need to go right for the Warriors. But let's focus, I guess, on the Celtics first, Dominique. Yeah. Like it is staggering. It is staggering how good the Celtics offensively and now defensively too. But they've yeah. just overall been great. I mean, Sam Hauser is what? Still like top three and plus minus, which is an indication of the depth of this team as much as Sam Hauser individually being a revelation. But to me, the question that I ask myself when I look at the Eastern Conference, which goes currently Celtics, Bucks, Cavs, Pacers, Sixers, Raptors, Wizards, Hawks, and then Nets, and, you know, go from there, it's, are we still just overlooking the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah. That's, I, that's the question I still ask myself, and I ask myself that question mostly because they are this calm suburb with absolutely no drama, and I just feel like the chaos that the Celtics season is going to invite at some point. And we've seen a bunch of it already that they've weathered. The Jalen Brown stuff, obviously, the Joe Mazzullo taking over Ime Udoka stuff. I, I just, I feel safer as a stock picker picking the Bucks because of that alone. Well, I mean, Giannis did have that beef with the ladder that time. That was tumultuous right. as far as the Bucks are concerned. <laughs> um, so I could see the Celtics coming out of the East. Obviously, they did it last year and they're, just as talented their superstars are uh, age or a year older and more skilled and it seems like Jason Tatum is better than he was last year uh so like that's a realistic possibility Giannis is special and it's hard for me to suggest that Giannis is not going to have something to say about it but I think it's easier for me to see the Celtics making it through the West than it is the Warriors making it or the Celtics making it through the East and the Warriors making it through the West and as I'm saying that, I'm trying to think of the competitor that's gonna knock the Warriors off, and exactly. that's harder to think of. It's just, <laughs> it's just. I don't. I think it's just different. Should we peruse the Western Conference standings as we turn this segment into literally just reading you the teams that are still in the top eight of each conference, which feels valuable because we're not yet at the point where I'm not surprised when I do this. Because it currently goes Suns, Nuggets, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Clippers, Blazers, Kings, Warriors, Jazz, T-Wolves, Mavs. And of those teams, I'm like, do you really trust the Suns more than the Warriors? Because I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, don't. The not Nuggets, the Nuggets either. No. The Pelicans, I love the Pelicans. I'm yeah. not ready yet to say that they are better than the Warriors five-man lineup when even, you know, Clay Thompson was struggling, obviously, for most of the shows we've done this year. And they were still the best five-man lineup in the NBA. Clay Thompson is currently on a heater right now, which means that they're even more dangerous. 
And then it's like the Grizzlies, Clippers, Blazers, Kings. Like I think oh, I, I, I think I've made this point before, and how I don't think that playoff football is that much different than regular season football, but I do think playoff basketball is significantly different. Like the amount of mm. like in-game adjustments, week-to-week adjustments, like the amount of game planning in the playoffs is different. So I think there's it's reasonable to suspect that teams, some teams will get or all teams will get a little bit better because they put more attention on game planning. Some teams will get a lot better. And the tough thing for me to imagine is that there will be a team in the West that their like full focus on one opponent will like generate as much improvement as the Warriors because they've been through it so many times. Like they've yeah. seen so many different things. They've done so many different things to answer other people's answers and answer those answers. That's it's the like other thing. They don't thing. even have to think up a new strategy. They're just like, remember three years ago when we did that thing that time? We're going to do that again. All right, everybody go take a nap. That's that's more or less what the Warriors' offense is, incidentally. Just like running through the same grooves that you've worn into the floor, where it's just like, yeah, we've been doing these patterns in unpredictable ways, but it's the same thing just over and over again. And the point about youth is instructive because, like, the Suns, the reason I read them off is because I I just imagine, I assume every year Chris Paul is going to get hurt because he's too old. But then every other team beneath is just shockingly young. And I, Alabaster, feel free to educate us if we're overstating the simplicity of how we foresee the postseason going. But, like, do you believe in the Kings more than the Warriors, the Blazers, the Clippers? Because I don't. No, I think I think uh, you're completely right. This has been the West is incredibly deep, but also bereft Shallow. of top, top teams. <laughs> no, no, it's just like there Both, is a, yeah. a raised le- level of decency. But the Warriors, the only team that I can look at that standings and be like you can play at a high enough level to win three rounds in the playoffs and get to the finals plus clay thompson is playing well again that's huge um so yeah i mean i guess i'm trying to imagine how important the bench is in the playoffs and it seems like it matters differently in different series but there will come a series where it really matters for the warriors and the question is are their opponents going to have a strong enough bench or a better bench to make it matter enough that they can knock them off and that's a hard question to answer because the warriors like they, they got white Dante. Um, like who yep. else are they bringing off the bench that you like trust? Jordan Poole is not a person I currently yeah, trust, Jordan but he's Poole a person was, who, no. who has performed in the playoffs before. No, no. Last no, postseason. No, no. I mean, last postseason, he went off for some big point scoring games, but it seemed like the most important games, the most important moments, they wasn't, they were not majoring in Jordan Poole. They had to take him <laughs> off the floor because he was such a defensive liability. Maybe I'm misremembering. No, Andrew Wiggins this, was was the it, second best player on that team, to your point. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong, but we'll see. I probably am. Pelican, For the record, and, oh, yeah, right. Andrew Wiggins about that part. putting together the best season of his career by far. What we saw in the postseason, he's actually just become a much more efficient <laughs> version of that this year. Um, shooting 44% from three. Damn. But let's move Is he on really? To, yeah. Damn. Oh, he is. Championship. Uh, let's move on to the last one, which is Luka Doncic. Because if I'm putting myself in Luka's shoes, I'm very upset right now. He is playing at a MVP level, and his team has not gotten him a second star again. I believe the Mavs are wasting their window with Luka. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that's true, and I, I – I, want to employ an exercise that is, I think, both incredibly simplistic but incredibly revealing. Um, who is the second best player on the Mavericks? 
Like, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I, I think there are candidates that involve, like, Dorian Finney-Smith and Spencer Dinwiddie, right? That's um, kind of like, seriously, like Tim Hardaway Jr., yeah. Christian Wood, I guess, is ostensibly the guy they signed to be that, but he's certainly not been that, although he had a pretty decent game against the Bucks. I I I believe that... The noise around Luka Doncic is going to get louder in terms yeah. of him wanting out. I just feel like I feel like this is one of those setups that we're gonna think is obvious in retrospect. Yeah, I mean, he made a he made a couple like playoff runs that were deeper than expected because of how special he is. But I also feel like I don't know that Luka's unhappy. We're assuming that he's unhappy, like. I'm assuming know, that he's going to want to win more than he has been. That, that's a big leap that you're making because he doesn't receive the criticism that we normally give to players who have played this well this earlier in their career. Like how many people are out there saying, when is Luca going to win a championship? Like it's not that it's not out there for him. For mm. whatever reason, we aren't doing that to him. We're just talking about how great he is and how everyone around him is failing. So I'm not sure he's getting – like crazy uh, Harden level usage, which I assume yes. is important to him. He's playing whatever level of defense he feels like playing for that particular evening. And he's in MVP conversations and he gets to take over playoff games or playoff series and do whatever the hell he wants to do. So I think we're all trained to believe that the most important thing to every player is winning a championship, but I'm not sure it's true. And we aren't like, you could understand why LeBron was like, I got to get the hell out of here. Because all I'm hearing every day is how I'm not good enough when no, I that's know a, that's that an interesting point. it's not me. He's not hearing it, that. We just it's an interesting point. celebrate him. Well, he is basically playing out like, I mean, albeit Dallas is not Cleveland. He is in the era where it is him and a bunch of dudes. And the credit that LeBron would get is what we're also giving to Luka. Luka's leading the league in scoring right now. He's basically averaging 34, 9, and 9. And granted, like numbers across the board are a little inflated, but he is the most inflated of them all. If if anything else, and so yeah, is is he is he settled? Man, this is this is cutting to the core of I think a couple of our neuroses here, Dominique. Is he just comfortable in his mediocrity? Is mediocrity? he okay not being challenged enough? Is that what we're saying? Is that is that Luka Doncic has found a comfort zone in which he yeah. needs? You're saying for his own benefit, we need to start talking about Luka Doncic. Not for his own benefit. I am happy with people <laughs> who have like really great accolades and previous achievements in their life settling into a nice, comfortable situation <laughs> where they can shine when they want to shine and also still be able to like go to their kids recital. I don't have a problem with that, Luca. Go to your kids recital. That's right. I'm still playing myself into shape. Yeah, myself on the show. <laughs> By the way. Oh, wait, we have a producer interjection. Uh, Sorry, I was just going to say, one of the stories about this, um, it's not even on the pressure for Luka to win a title yet because that that will come. He's in year four. If you look at LeBron in year four, that was the year they shocked everyone and went to the finals. And people are like, oh, good job. You made it to the finals. So this this will come for a player that great. But the other the story of this is Mark Cuban's been one of the worst owners in the NBA since the 2011 finals. Well, like he cannot absolutely. You got given a gift with Luca dropping to number three. Everyone so, knew this guy was going to be awesome, and they've done nothing. Not everyone. Well, <laughs> I, I agree fully that there is no owner in maybe all of sports, Dominique, that we've let skate as much as we've let Mark Cuban skate. 
The guy was crying on the jump after overseeing a toxic workplace culture that is so graphic that even I feel uncomfortable recapping some of the details. Oh, but like, gosh, go Google yeah. that part. Like, truly, I'm like, it's it's gross. And then he, I mean, and then on top of that, like he is portraying himself to be a general genius leader of men and businesses who has also, as the basketball is concerned, to Alabaster's point, specifically underachieved despite being, yeah, being, I won't say given because, you know, they traded to get Luca, but they got a guy who should be, I think, um, supported by a second best player whose name we probably well, I mean, do know. They got Chris Stapps. That seemed like a reasonable second fiddle. That didn't work out, but I mean, he still failed. And I think, isn't Mark Cuban like telling people that he's not going to run for president while also speaking at every function that he can possibly <laughs> speak at? Isn't that the path to like, Maybe his focus is somewhere else. I don't know. Either way, the organization hasn't properly supported Luca. Their decisions. I, I don't know the genesis of the decisions that they make, but it does they never really seem like they are in like in the hunt for a championship. Kristaps is here in DC looking good right about now. Oh, he is. But look, the the I think what Alabaster is also referring to is just the incompetence of just like the front office. And look, I've yeah. had Bob Vulgaris on my podcast to do his whole exit interview about being the shadow GM of the Mavericks. But basically, whenever you have a shadow GM who is acrimoniously sort of like separated from you and part of the claims that you learn on the back end or that like the Mavericks are like as uh, old boys club, a boys club as exists in the NBA and also like their power structure has been dysfunctional for a very long time. It does feel like at some point, um, yeah, if you're the next LeBron James, you probably want to behave a little bit like the old LeBron James and get the hell out of there. Yeah. Good luck. By the way, have you been watching the, the White Lotus? Oh, yeah. So you thinking about the, the guy who looks kind of like Luca on that show? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> he's yeah, the end of that last episode was Woo! quite a surprise. Yeah. Speaking of things, I also feel comfortable describing, shockingly. Yeah. Yeah. Get us the confetti Spoiler and get alert. us out of here. Holy before. crap. Yeah. What a final scene in that show. Now imagine that scene being Luca. Oh gosh. What are we towing here? Get us out of here. I gotta go do something for my uncle. <laughs> <laughs>